Hello, Liturgy Guy listeners. This is your host, Jesse Weiler, and we have another great episode for you. This week, we are talking about blessings. What is a blessing? Why do we have blessings? Who can do a blessing? So on and so forth. This is a really fun conversation that we had today. So without further ado, episode six of season two of The Liturgy Guys. Enjoy. I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present The Liturgy Guys. We're going to be talking about blessings today. Do you want, it's going to be a real fun conversation. Do you want to have more questions to fill it? No, we're going to do an episode right now about blessings. <laughs> and we're going to do it clean. We're going to do it good. Okay? Are we all going to talk in our native no accent? No horsing around. Yeah. All right? Yeah. I was talking to my sister on the phone last night. Yeah? She talks like a New Yorker. It's oh. crazy. You can talk uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. Talk Nebraska. I am talking Nebraska. That's not God, what a weird accent you got. My, I have a... Uh, brother who moved to wisconsin and uh his wife is from wisconsin and i was hanging out with his kids the other day and his kids said bubbler and i'm like oh, it's so weird to I hear know, like uh, somebody know. in my family use Say a word that bubbler. i'm not used to well they're not local anymore and then he sneezed and i said god bless you and then i was like what is a blessing <laughs> chris you could always do the woody allen sort of thing <laughs> oh my god I, my adoids are <laughs> acting up Chris, my, my adenoids are acting up. I need a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do with my adenoids? I don't know if there's a blessing. I don't think he adenoids. would ever ask for a blessing. He's kind yeah, of. I can have my throat blessed on St. Blaise. There must be a patron saint of adenoids. In Hebrew, the word uh, blessing is, uh, comes from, I don't know how to say it. Barak? Obama. Oh. No, no. Barakah? Yeah, that's related to that. And it means, uh, I think, first of all, to bend the knee. So mm. blessings have about them this character of uh, adoration. Oh, uh, wait, not the person being blessed bends the knee? If, yeah, if they're yeah, yeah. blessing God. Yes. So oh. This is one of the things about blessings, is that blessings bless, praise, adore, worship, glorify God. Blessings fact, bless. Ble- we, yeah. but, what, but whom do they bless? God. Right. At Mass, uh, do you know what the Barakah prayers are? Uh, Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. You've been to Mass? Given us. We were just at Mass together. We offer you. That's right. Those are called the Barakah prayers because the Hebrew word for blessed is Barak. Barakah. Barakah. So, So, what is a blessing? First of all, blessing is, and notice when, uh, I don't know, when you hear the word blessing a lot, it's mostly from us to God. So it's a blessing of God in praise, thanksgiving, adoration. We bless for you, his we goodness. adore you, we praise you. But what yeah, if we, yeah. what if we want to chase away demons after you sneeze? Isn't that what a blessing's for? Yeah, well, this is no, the, that's your this, soul trying God to escape you. and this. saying God bless you crams it back in. Oh, up through the nose. Yeah. Back through the adenoids. Oh my goodness. That, that's the other uh principal movement in a blessing. That uh blessings are promises of God's favor, grace, protection, care, yes. life giving uh, uh, gift to you. So blessings kind of are a two way street. They're from us to God, praising and thanking him, and they're promises of divine favor from God to us. Yes. The Catholic Encyclopedia calls it divine benignity. Oh well. So that's I a word you never hear. Ben- Good night, folks. Like benign. It's been you know, real. Something that's benign is uh 
and, giving something. Well, that, in, in Latin, that's what a blessing is, is a bene. Oh, bene. Dixio. Yeah. Are you sure it's, it's not banana word. tea? No. Like banana flavored tea? So versus uh, a, a, is, a, a what's, let's just what, pretend he's not here. Okay, you always do. You, did you start the recording this time? By oh the way, do we God. need to turn this over? I don't want to talk about this, guys. I'm horrible at my job. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the opposite of uh, of a benediction? A curse, a wrath. Yeah, but uh, what in Latin? If it's a benediction, what's a a malediction? A malediction, right? Oh. So, uh, oh, the, bene and mal. I yeah, get it. Yeah. So when when the devil is cursed after the fall. He's uh, he's not just cursed. He's maledictio or whatever the proper mm. form would be. So, uh, a blessing is a good word spoken. A curse is a bad word spoken. Isn't there some guy in uh, Harry Potter who's got Mal in his name? Draco Malfoy. Yeah, Malfoy. They're they're playing with the Latinate roots that we're trying to understand. Oh, bad guy. Bad Mal Foy. What does Foy mean? Foy is like uh, make Foy. made bad, make bad. Oh, he made. Ooh. ooh, I need to reread the entire series. Now. And Draco sounds like dragon. You know, it's like the bad making dragon. Anyway, Chris. Yes. Saying. Well, what's the question? What what's is a blessing? The- a blessing is a benedictio. It's a good word. And so, um, the whose ult- word? Who's well, word the ultimate word, the ultimate blessing, kind of the literal blessing. The word. The word is the word. The word of the Trinity. Who is the best word? So Jesus is the uh, the book of blessings. I'll say this: the Father's ultimate blessing upon us. He is literally the good word spoken by the Father. The Father speaks, and the Son is begotten through that, and He is the word of the Father. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And so, how how all creation is made is through the speaking of the good word. And God said, and He speaks this good word, and. Whoa, Voila, you've got. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That's right. The Word was God. And so, God. So think about the incarnate <laughs> Word. The incarnate Word, it has the same kind of two-way dynamic. On the one hand, through the incarnate Word, God sends His grace and blessing and favor to us. But Jesus, we said in another podcast, He's the ultimate High Priest and liturgist. So He takes all of the good words of praise and adoration and thanks that we have and through him offers them back to so he's the conduit he is he's he's spoken and he's gotten by being spoken but then he speaks back and he takes our little prayers i remember david fagerberg used to say we speak logoi little that's the plural greek for word little word small l logoi we join them to the logos who's the word christ speaking that perfect word and he sort of like a mystical body gathers them all up and offers them perfectly to the father Yes, we've had Greek, uh, English, uh, Latin. The, the, uh, yeah, I'm so smart. The, 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 Greek, the Greek blessing is, is eulogy. So you to speak a, you lo, yeah, Lugos, loge. That means know. blessing? It does. Well, well, it, means to, it means to speak good words. So at Uncle Ted's funeral, somebody gets up and delivers a eulogy about what a good guy he was or something. And like sometimes that. they say they don't like him and it's all bad. It's not yeah, good at all. Malediction. I was at a, I stopped in a church and they're the son was all mad. My father never did this to me. Like up there, it's supposed to be giving eulogy. Where That's a malogy. Malogos. But if God speaks a word, his word is creative, right? God's act, his will is, yeah. is act. See, and that's creative is a good way to speak of a blessing too, because when God blesses Adam and Eve and he says, be fruitful and multiply. So one of the features of a blessing is that it's life-giving, it's fecund, it's creative. Fecund? Fecund. Fecund. What does that mean? E-C-U-N-D. Fertile, life-giving. Oh, that's um, what where you get confection, confected? I don't think so. That's made with, well, it's like uh, fertile. It's like fertile. Yeah. Okay. 
Fecundity. Be, be, be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful. Okay. The blessing was for their fruitfulness. When God blesses Abraham, uh, it's so that he will become a great nation and have numerous descendants. Right. So in the Old Covenant, uh, blessings always brought with them this promise that God would multiply their offspring. And they were real. Life. Now we, we just kind of throw God bless you around as a hello or goodbye or when you sneeze. Man, but can you imagine if you told somebody God bless you and then you had like a ton of offspring? <laughs> well, that's it. I would never sneeze. Well, God must be blessing you. You've had two in three years. So. Chris has had 12 in five years or something. <laughs> um, anyway, but the, the point is it makes real. When the Father, the oldest sons, get the blessing or whoever gets the blessing it's the real deal they fight over this and they want it and so it something, yeah, fact, there's, something there's, happens yep. oh yeah see there's a great story of uh, Joseph blessing his grandsons Ephraim and Manasseh you remember this one I do remember switching that. the, switching switching the, arm. Yeah, switch the furry room. arm yeah so yeah. he's supposed to give the, the greater blessing through his dexterous hand to the older son and the lesser blessing through the left or sinister hand to the younger son but when the two boys come to him he crosses his arms over so that the younger son actually gets the greater blessing so yeah the, the boys were or um, the first or even Jacob himself he, he, was he the one who stole the Esau's uh, birthright and blessing crickets crickets Crickets. Yeah, so blessing brings with it great power and great... Uh, uh, Esau fruit. blessing, so he took it. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a real inheritance. Like people would kill their older sibling to inherit the monarchy or something. It's a real thing. Making real. So yeah. like somebody said, God bless you, and you ran in and stole a blessing. You're like, that's mine. Yeah, <laughs> reach in and catch it. Anyway, so that's that's the I guess the first principal feature of blessings. They praise and worship and adore God, and they are promises of God for life and for fruits and for protection and for his favor. And so every time you listen to a prayer, so for example, in the Book of Blessings or these Barakah prayers that we talked about, mm-hmm. um, they will very often the very first thing they will do is uh, praise and worship God. And then, especially in the Book of Blessings, the second thing they will do is they'll call down his favor, especially on people who uh, wish to be blessed, either outright or through the through the use of some particular object. So when I hear about this, and especially when we're talking about it now, how do we know if a blessing is efficacious, if something's happening, or if it's just like, um, like I hope this happens? Yeah, blessings are a type of sacramental. And so sacramentals, uh, the catechism says, bear a certain resemblance to the sacraments, which isn't really entirely helpful. So in some ways they're like sacraments, <laughs> in some ways they're not like sacraments. And one of the ways that they're not like sacraments, that is to say sacramentals and blessings and whatnot, is in how efficacious they are, or their mode of efficacy is how the church will talk about it. When we talk about the efficacy of the sacraments, what's the term uh, used, Dennis? Exoperatis? No. Objective efficacy. Means that Jesus is the effective worker in all of the sacraments. When Jesus shows up for work, he always gets the job done. Always has a good day at the office. Uh, But when it comes to sacramentals, of which blessings are one of these types, there's much more of a dependence on uh, the disposition and the working of the worker. So the expression is ex opere operantis. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes they'll say, 
ex opere operantis ecclesia, on the work on behalf of the church. So there's a lot more required for a blessing's efficacy mm-hmm. to be fruitful on your part. But you know what the Catholic Encyclopedia says that blessings, one of the effects is the excite, excitation of pious emotions and affections of the heart, and by means of these remissions of venial sins. So the idea is if somebody gives you a blessing and sudden, it doesn't necessarily mean like rays are coming out of the priest's hands, but something in you says, oh yeah, now I feel this desire to be closer with God. And it's actually, you know, changes your um, capacity by allowing you to have that ex opere operantis moment, right? Yeah, well, and if you're really plugged in or tuned into the blessing, I mean, praising and worshiping, glorifying God is what your ontology says you were made to do ontology, from, from the beginning. Ontology, and so that does, so that does ontology, change you. Ontology, All right, that's ontology. enough. That's enough. <laughs> But one of the, you know one of the things that um, yeah, the late liturgical movement and the fathers of the council and even uh, in the books since the council they're really uh, on alert about shallow credulity or what? superstition or mm. magical powers that may be blessed. Okay, really, it must be like thirty five thousand words, Chris. Shallow credulity. Oh. So they don't want people who use blessings to think they're somehow magical incantations or you know they give some sort of this kind of supernatural uh, they, they do give some supernatural grace but not in any sort of a magical sort of way so sticking with the sneeze i mean there's nothing really there just, yeah like, but the catechism i mean not the catechism the old catholic encyclopedia says that the other effects are freedom from the power of evil spirits preservation and restoration of bodily health that would be like the saint blaze blessing i suppose with candles yeah. well and the freedom from spirit i mean uh, exorcisms are a type of sacramental as well so that's a good word from god driving out the bad guy mm-hmm. right from you mm-hmm. what else it says various other benefits temporal or spiritual <laughs> <laughs> this is what blessings do and yeah. in the end it just yeah. says at all <laughs> yeah, that's right. other other duties as a sign <laughs> Um, so somebody, somebody might say, oh, a blessing doesn't really do anything. It just stimulates pious emotions in you. But yeah. according, that's, <laughs> who wouldn't want that? Yeah, exactly. Like if you did something and your wife suddenly loved you more and then therefore was inspired to be a better person, that would be a real effect. Blessing. Yeah. And a blessing on you. Right? <laughs> that would be a real blessing. No, what, one of the definitions of a bless, uh, excuse me, of a sacramentalist is they dispose the recipient to... Uh, a more fruitful reception of the sacraments. So they're meant to dispose you for sacramental reception and extending sacramental reception into all aspects of life. If someone said to me, I made you pie crust, that would be a good word to me. <laughs> and I'd be like, really? Where? Where is it? How do I get it? And I would- It would be, be at 1000 East Maple, Mondelino. That is our mailing address, 1000 East Maple. You can address it to Pie Crust Desperation Fund. No, address it to Dennis McDermott. Care of Pie Crust Desperation Fund. That would be a real blessing if somebody's in Oh, my gosh. Us. That would be the good word. <laughs> Were you saying something smart, Chris? Sorry. No, no. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't even begun to say anything. Smart. But anyway, the point I'm making is if someone says, I have pie crust for you, or it's like when you rattle the chain for the dog goes berserk. It's a change in their desire and then in their disposition. And it motivates them to go do. Yeah. But what about blessing things? Oh, yeah. Can we do ooh, that? Ooh, 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 like, ooh, I have a ooh. blessed rosary. Can we talk That's, about invocative, oh, yeah. invocative, and constitutive? Is that different than what I'm suggesting? Well, well maybe. One of those is this, your blessed rosary. A, yeah, go ahead. Tell us, tell us about invocative oh my gosh, and constitutive. My okay. Uh, the invocative ones are when that great divine benignity, benignness, is invoked upon persons or things to bring down upon them temporal or spiritual good. And what's invocative mean? Invoking, Literally. asking. 
like voc, vox. Yeah, voice, voicing. Yeah. So it's calling. It's 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 the it's the good word of the Father being called down upon a person or a thing. Right. Okay. What's the other one? A constitutive. Constitutive. That's when things are given uh, consecration. Is that right? Something. Yeah. Yeah, see the the. So that's like a the, super. Oh, they're imparted. Some yeah, divine right. character is imparted, and they take a new spiritual relationship. So it says, invocative doesn't change the their spiritual condition. Constitutive right. actually changes them ontologically. Yeah, sort of. Ooh. This is this. Um, first, we should say, if you were to look in the catechism now, they don't employ these terms: constitutive and invocative. Which, uh, my own opinion is. It's unfortunate because they're helpful. They're really we don't helpful. pay you for your opinion, Chris. <laughs> we pay you to quote the catechism. What they, uh, what they say is there's blessings and then consecrations. And so these consecrations are like super blessings. Um, so what would be consecrated, for example, as an object would be an altar or a church or a chalice and patents, certain things like so that. So what about a rosary? Under, well, just hang on. I'm getting ah, there, right? Yeah, chill out, man. So those things receive a constitutive consecration there's something quasi ontologically different about mm, them quasi ontological but you know maybe that's the the best that that's as close as you can get it but basically the logic is they're separated out from kind of everyday yep. use dedicated to service of god yeah they're different sacred use right so when we when we've talked about the dedica- uh, the dedication of an altar right at the beginning before the altar's dedicated it's just a table and the bishop ignores it, it's not vested, anything like that. But after it receives the consecration through the oil, through the prayers, through the lighting, through the vesting and all of the rest, well, the first thing the bishop's going to do when he goes up to celebrate the Eucharist, he's going to kiss it because it's different now. So there's something different in its character. Right, now, priestly consecration yeah. goes all the way back to Exodus, right? Aaron is consecrated a priest and they consecrated altars. So it's an, it's an old Jewish concept. Yeah, that's true. And Although, the people of God are consecrated. Well, this part of the confusion. Now, we, we used to talk about bishops being consecrated. Now we say they're ordained. Yeah. So consecration is reserved to people, though. So like the consecration of virgins or the consecra- a religious consecration yeah, and religious life. Way. Yeah. Okay. So th- those people receive a consecration. It's not the type of ontological character change that a priest would receive. But it, it, but it's somehow it's, makes that person different from how he or she was before. It's, so it's more than invocative. Yes, it's okay. constitutive. But okay. on the other end of the spectrum, I guess, is where we have these invocative things, right? Mm-hmm. So you say, you bless your food before you eat it, mm-hmm. or uh, you bless the 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 doorway, you know, uh, at Epiphany, or you bless your car, or you bless your your flock of sheep or something like that. Which I call my children. So are those, those things receive a simple blessing or an invocative blessing, but it'd be very difficult to make the case, and I don't think the church ever has, is that somehow that sheep is different from how it was before. Unlike my, the consecration of the correct, Eucharist, right? That's correct. different. You know the 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 hamburger that you just blessed, you invoked God's blessing. That was is a good not burger too. Different as like the altar is different, but it's been kind of a means to offer praise and thanks to God, and somehow receive from Him the graces that He gives. But then there's this category that's somehow in the middle. Is this His rosary now? This is His rosary. This is uh, finally. Yeah. And see, those things, a rosary is not like a hamburger or a sheep. <laughs> rosary, Chris, <laughs> not you, are, like you are right. A rosary yeah, this is, not is like very a high level liturgical yeah, give theology. Give some dings for that. Okay, on the other hand, it's not the same type of, uh, uh, of article that the altar is or the church is or uh, the abbot is. And so is a blessed rosary different from 
a non-blessed rosary? Uh, I I think the answer is no. Well, I don't oh. know that there's some But I have a rosary of, blessed by Pope Francis. Yeah, well, what is it? I mean, this, I mean, this is a good question. What is a, a I don't blessing? Know. I don't blessed, know. Is a, is a rosary blessed by Pope Francis different from a rosary blessed by Father yeah. Bill? I think or what might, about by me? Can or, I? You can, actually. I can, I can yeah, bless he, a rosary. I don't think you can. You, you can only bless it in your own name. This is my understanding. Yeah. That uh, it doesn't give you the whole blessing of the church, of Christ. It's a blessing of oh. you. Well, see, but, but there but are... You can bless your kids, right? Well, but see, what he's doing when he blesses his kids is he has, in he virtue has of his baptism, a, a kind of a priestly authority over his children th- that I don't. Um, so, but this middle category is difficult to try to articulate. I mean, if you say there's nothing different about the rosary... Well, then you ask, well, why do I bless it? If you say there is something different ontologically about that rosary, then you are then you have the task of explaining, well, what's different about it? They're both mm-hmm. very difficult questions to try to, uh, to try to answer. Well, the old Catholic Encyclopedia, of course, this is the old one, so I'm not sure. But it says when um, sacramentals like rosaries and scapulars and mm-hmm. medals are blessed. Oh, do you know what I'm going to say? No. Well, I would say that the... Whatever the old Catholic encyclopedia says, the current catechism doesn't consider rosaries sacramentals. This is part of the general confusion, too. Dennis is now closing the okay. document. Oh, okay, never mind. All right, holy. So holy... calling those things sacramentals, that's uh, up in the air as well. Okay, well, I, I, I said that incorrectly, but it says things already mentioned for pious use or something like that. Yeah, it says that's, they're that's blessed the so that pious employment and use of them enables one to gain the indulgence from that prayer that is associated with mm. that prayer that the blessings enables them to all be right so adul- then one, one could pause so if that i forgot you're... my rosary and i just prayed the rosary using my uh, two yeah. fingers Nothing. no indulgence zap zip oh, zip come on but wow. there's the intent for the indult right well god could provide what if you don't do the it road but to hell is paved with the ordinary uh, the normal ordinary <laughs> way of uh, well okay so the catholic encyclopedia is old <laughs> no but it, how old this is really it? Oh, it really speaks to you know, I mean, there's all sorts of confusing things about the church or the faith or the liturgy. This question of blessings and sacramentals is one of them. Um, it it seems like there was just a significant enough shift in the praxis, and even today, right? So there's blessings in the Roman Missal. There's blessings in the Book of Blessings. There's blessings in the Roman Pontifical. There's blessings in a book called Catholic Household Blessings and Prayers, and all of them express a little bit different what we would call lex orandi. They're all celebrated in just a different way that they each sort of embody a different theological understanding of what a blessing is. So they're very slippery things to try to get uh, try to get. And then there's on. the book of blessings, of course, which people like to beat up the book of blessings mm-hmm. because they say it doesn't bless anything. It only blesses the people or asks that the people be blessed when they use the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think what, well, first of all, the book of blessings and fairness, it, they always bless God, right? So finally you get a, a liturgy that comes around and it's all about God and yet we're still not quite happy about that because <laughs> we want you know we want to see our religious article or whatever it is we want holy water on it we want incense on it we want father to make the sign of the cross over yes, it whatever we do. It amen. yes we do amen because that speaks to our you know to our humanity as embodied uh, uh, that souls. works on my exopria operantis kind of mind well it does heart. it does the, the new book of blessings is really high on the word part and a little bit anemic on the sign part and so even if it might be theologically pretty tight i think anthropologically it's a little bit uh, leaves a little something to be desired Speaking of 
leaving something to be desired. We should probably answer a liturgy guy's question. What do you think? Not before we bless my adenoids. Okay. I really need freedom from this. New Yorkers. Uh, I got to go find some candlesticks. My shoes and my glasses. You want this blessing to be lit or not lit? I don't know what you're talking about. I think you're lit. No. (laughs) No, I'm not lit right now. All right. Well, (laughs) let's answer a question. Let's answer the question perfectly. So why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? All right. This week, we have a question from Joe Lukowski. And Joe says, uh, well, first of all, the subject says icons dash dash confused. Uh, We did an episode on icons, so that's what he's referencing. He said, the podcast on icons confused me. Can slash should an icon depict an event uh, for example, the visitation or an appearance, for example, Lourdes, as as that I thought icons were to represent what is in the glorified or saintly state. Thank you. Yeah, that is an interesting question. There, you know, like a lot of things, there are different categories within the iconic tradition. So you kind of have a full purist sense of icons as the face of Christ in his radiant heavenly glory. But the uh, Eastern sense of time, which is particular to them, and, but also just the Christian sense of time, future, past, present, they're all kind of uh, movable. And so when you have the scene of the Annunciation, that's a divine event coming into the world, and it's remembered in its divinity. So you might have um, a, an iconic representation of sacred history. Uh, you might have a, even a, an iconic representation of earthly history. So you go into certain churches, uh, Ukrainian churches, for instance, they'll have a big scene of the, the baptism of the of the Ukrainian people when the Christian missionaries came there. They might not look quite as iconic. So in, there's a church up the road from us at Mundelein where the in the, the sort of front vestibule, they have an icon of the Virgin Mary and the bishop who built the church is kneeling in front of her and he's holding a little model of the church. But he has glasses and his beard is all fuzzy and he looks kind oh. of human <laughs> because he's not yet in the glorified iconic scene, but it's the it's the recall of him offering the church to Jesus through the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary looks iconic and he doesn't. And so kind of the closer it gets to the idea of heavenly sacred uh, action, or the more iconic it will look. Sometimes that's a kind of perfect image of the Christ and the angels, you know, around the throne of his throne in heaven. Sometimes it's an earthly event that's brought into the sacred liturgy. So an iconostasis, which is the stand in front of the sanctuary in, a, in an Eastern church, will have different icons of the feasts, of the Last Supper, of the Annunciation, that kind of thing. Often they put the Annunciation on the doors that lead into the sanctuary because the Annunci- Annunciation is like God coming into the world, just like the Eucharist will come through those doors, it's God coming to the world. So uh, the answer is yes, but the more secular it is, the less iconic it looks, the more perfected it is, the more iconic it will look. Excellent. All right, Joe, I hope that answers your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com. Thank you and God bless. 
The Liturgy Guys is produced by the Liturgical Institute. If you like what you've heard today, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And be sure to check out liturgicalinstitute.org to discover more about our degree programs, public events, and publications. Refresh your soul and renew the church at what Bishop Robert Barron calls one of the very best places in the country to receive formation in the Catholic liturgical tradition. Now that's a podcast.